Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, man. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Show. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I am glad to be back at you again. Hey, I wanted to tell you who and what this is for. If you are a Christian man inside a recovery, uh, longing for the abundant life, this show is for you, and I'm glad that you're here. So we're going to start off with the recovery quote of the day, and it goes like this. You don't get over addiction by stopping using. You recover by creating a new life where it's easier not to use. That is a powerful, powerful quote. Here's the reality of things is that addiction is not the real problem, right? We all know this. And usually addiction springs from something, you know, inside of childhood, childhood trauma, neglect, abuse, all of these different things. Um, But addiction is rarely, really the problem. Addiction, of course, is the symptom of the problem. Uh, So what we do is we think that we can quit the substance and that everything is going to be okay and that our lives are magically going to go back to somehow functioning. But uh, the reality is, is that addiction is a very uh, detrimental uh, negative coping skill. And it is a skill that we have utilized to deal with some stuff and some things that are going on inside of our life that we don't have the skills or resources uh, really necessary to deal with. And so it's really important as we start out this recovery journey to begin to get skills, begin to get resources to begin to cope and to deal positively with the things that are going on inside of our life. So magically getting sober or staying clean ain't going to to change your life that much. And so I like this quote because it talks about uh, addiction is not the real problem, but uh, creating this better life uh, is. And that's what's going to bring us the success that we want. And that is this, that we have to begin to engage in positive activities that are going to combat the addiction. And what I mean by this is if you start a lot of physical exercise, you start going to the gym, you start playing tennis, you start uh, jogging and running, you will soon find out how incongruent your smoking habit really is, right? And so you start engaging in these new activities that make the old activities uh, no longer congruent. And what that means is that they begin to challenge uh, those activities, okay? And so when you begin to add positive things into your life, that that positivity begins to consume the negativity. Now, Jesus tells this uh, parable about an unclean spirit. When it's gone out of a man, it it, uh, it goes seeking rest and find none. And then then it comes back um, to to the man and it finds the house uh, um, swept and empty and uh, and comes back and inhabits the man. Right now, I'm, I'm definitely paraphrasing with this parable. But the reality is, is that if we don't feel the house, if we don't engage in positive activities, reading the word, consuming podcasts, uh, TED Talks and and going to seminars and and different things that begin to feed our soul with positive activities, then there's going to be a lot of emptiness. And that is there's going to be a lot of area for the temptation and for the addiction to come back. 
And so the best thing that we could do is begin to fill our time with positive activities. And so when addiction does try to come back, there is no room. There is no room for addiction. You know, one of the things that we really fail to do is to understand environmental factors. There are a lot of environmental factors inside of addiction. In fact, they've done a lot of studies recently where with rats, where they pull them out and isolate them. And the rats always choose the substance, right? They always choose the cocaine. They always choose the morphine in isolation. But if you give them a ratopia where they have a lot of engaging activities and they can have relationships and they can move around, they rarely choose the substance, hardly ever. Okay. And so it's important to recognize that we need to set up our environment to succeed. And that is, there are some friends that we might not need to be around for a while. There's an environmental factor where we need to clean up the outside clutter so we can begin to have peace on the inside. A clean environment, cleaning up the clutter, uh, gives you a a, a sense of uh, cleanness on the inside. So there's a lot of environmental factors that come into play here that we don't really consider. Uh, But I really love that quote. Now we're going on to the recovery question of the day. And that is this. Why is gratitude important inside of recovery? Man, uh, you know, I really like this question. And first off, I would like to say it's the will of God, right? This is give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. And that is we don't need to really um, search and try to grasp and understand the will of God. Um A lot of times it's just clearly spelled out inside of the word. And so this one here is that God wants you grateful. It is his will and his desire for you to walk in a grateful attitude and a grateful spirit. Okay. And what that means is that we escape the entitlement that's inside of the world. If you haven't noticed, um, you know, in the world, there is entitlement. There's people who think they they uh, are entitled to something without putting in the work, without doing what is required, and, out, and not walking in the steps to actually get what they want. But they feel entitled to it. And so inside of the kingdom, inside of the way God works, his will is for us to be grateful. And what that means is that this, this entitlement spirit where we feel like we're entitled to all these different things, all of these different blessings because we prayed enough, because we done enough good works, because we attended a church service and all of these different things just need to be dropped. And the reality is, if if we would look at it in all honesty, we would actually be entitled of the opposite, right? We would be entitled of cursings if we relied upon our good behavior uh, for this entitlement. So removing the entitlement. Gratitude is all about mindset. In fact, you could judge your happiness, you could judge your joy by the measure of your gratitude. And that is, are you uh, thankful for the things that are coming your way? Now, it's really hard to be thankful when we're grasping at the wind. And what I mean by that is that we're always chomping at the bit. We're always looking into the future. We're always wanting more, 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 more. And uh, we're never satisfied and we never have enough. And when we have that grinding, when we have that mindset and that desire, uh, gratitude really escapes us. And so with inside of this uh, uh, conversation of gratitude is this idea of contentment and being satisfied what is put into your lap. And that is that you're taking advantage of your opportunities today. You're walking in the blessings today and you are grateful 
for what has come your way today. And I find that to be uh, very beneficial inside of recovery. You see, between grat- uh, gratitude and entitlement is just simply a mindset. And it's just simply what you are focusing upon, right? It's crazy the way perspective and mindset plays out. And it's happened, uh, I see it, you know, inside of the election. You know, we have uh, 50% of America uh, sad over the election and what's taking place. And we have 50% of the America who's happy, right? And the only difference is perspective, <laughs> right? That is the only difference uh, between uh, the two uh, ideas. It's just the mindset and the perspective of it. So perspective plays a lot. And so if we look at uh, things with a grateful heart, uh, that will change our mindset and our perspective. And that's a powerful reality. So we are moving on. We are in uh, Proverbs chapter two. We are talking about knowing wisdom. And um, we left off with talking about God as a parent. Now, I will share this just a little bit because I already talked about it, but Jesus laid out for us how we are to relate to God, and it is the universal Father, and that is our Father who lives in heaven, right? And so he gave us a pattern to look at to begin to relate to God in a certain fashion, and that is apparent, Now, we have different mindsets and different belief systems that are out there today, and they all uh, propagate God as a different kind of figure and all this different stuff. But when when we're talking about relating to God, we're talking about to the God that Jesus revealed and who he showed us and how he revealed him and how he established a relationship and how that communication took place and all of these different things. So when we're talking about God, we're talking about the God as Jesus revealed him as father. Now, many people relate to God in some other fashion, you know, some people relate to God uh, much like a genie that he's there to grant you these, uh, uh, these unlimited wishes and he's there to be at your beck and call and your wish is my command. That's what the new age people say. And that the universe and that God is at your beck and call and that he is at your command and just make a wish, make a, a mental uh a paradigm in your mind and, and it'll come to pass. And all this is just crap. Okay. And so Jesus uh, established that we relate to God as father. Now, some people relate to God as Santa Claus. You know, he's there making a list, checking it twice. I'm going to see who's naughty, who's, who's nice. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And there's this rock star God too. Uh, very popular amongst, um, I would say, mo- uh, modern day churchianity, that this rock star God, that it's all about concerts and it's all about performances and it's all about the crowds and it's all about the hype and all these different things. We see it playing out. But that's not the relationship that we have been called to. Now, many people see uh, God as a lover and that he's like somehow their personal, uh, uh, like they're dating God and that they're somehow in a relationship with him and they, they relate to him more as a lover and desire this strange kind of intimacy and this, that, and the other thing. The reality is, is that Jesus told to relate to God as father. Why is this important? We're going to talk about this in the next uh, um, 20 minutes or so. So God is a father. And that is the way we are to relate to him. This is the best way to um, really connect inside of recovery 
Now, it's hard for us, and I've talked about this just a little bit before, especially if you grew up in childhood trauma like I have, that it's hard for us to relate to God as Father. You know, that is because we have had um, very negative fathers who have abused us, who have uh, uh, tore us down mentally, who have kicked us, and all of these different things that, uh, you know, if if you're like me, you find it hard to relate to God as Father. Um, and that was the same for me until uh, what started the process was I was reading the word and it says where, where your mother and your father forsook you, then the Lord lifted you up. And then I started looking into all the, the realities of me being an adopted son inside the kingdom of God. And my mother and father did forsake me. They abandoned their responsibilities. They weren't very good at parenting. They, they didn't have coping skills themselves. They were addicted. They were um, diagnosed schizophrenics and all these different things, right? And so I really grabbed a hold of that scripture that when my mother and my father forsook me, the Lord lifted me up. And, and the reality was, is that that God filled the void. And that is God became for me uh, what they weren't and became my father and became the one who had teach me and instruct me and guide me and all of these different things that he promises to do. And so the reality for our recovery is that if we want to thrive, the best mindset the best belief system that biblically aligns is relating to God as your father. And so what kind of father do we have? That's what I want to dive into um, for the rest of this episode and, and for us to clearly spell out what kind of father do we have? And in Matthew 5, 45, it says, your father causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. Your, your father causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And what that means is he has set in an environment he has set laws like we are experiencing here today, the laws of gravity. Uh, but the most important law that he has set in place is the law of seed time and harvest. And that is the rain is going to come upon the believer and the unbeliever. And the sun is going to shine on the believer and the unbeliever. And that is the universal law of seed time and harvest of sowing and reaping, that it is a law that cannot be escaped. And it's good for me and it's good for you and it's good for the entire world. And that is this, that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And so the same process that God has for me is the same process that God has for somebody else. And that is, is that if we begin to sow positive seeds... And that is, I'm not talking about the uh, word of faith seed that if you, you give me money and God is somehow going to bless you. That's not what I'm talking about here. But what I am talking about is you begin to sow into yourself, into your spiritual life, into your mindset, and you'll begin to reap a harvest. You begin to sow inside of your marriage, time, investment, communication, and your marriage is going to begin to thrive. You begin to sow inside other relationships by being a listening ear, by being present, and you're going to reap the benefits of that. Uh, same thing in the financial world. You begin to sow inside of your bank account, inside of your savings account, and put uh, money aside and live below your means and all these different things. You are going to reap a harvest. And so God, your father, our father, has caused this process to come upon the whole world. 
Now, whether we want to engage in that process, whether we want to participate, is totally up to us. But the reality is, is that most men's lives, they are in disarray because of the seeds that they have been sowing. And we only need to look at our results and the consequences of our life and, and the, the effect that sin is having to begin to recognize that we are not sowing the seed that is going to get us the results. And this mindset uh, shift needs to happen. But our father, he causes this process of seed time and harvest to the whole world. Okay. Uh, number two is Matthew 6, 1. Your father rewards those that diligently seek him. I love this scripture. We, you know, we, we, we begin to set our hearts after and to pursue God and begin to love the Lord, our God, with all of our hearts and all of our soul, right? And we begin to diligently seek his ways. We begin to uh, think how we are going to stand in integrity and that we're going to listen to the voice, okay? The reality is, is that God speaks to us all the time. He says that you will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. And so this is the fatherhood of God that wants to direct and wants to guide us and wants to speak to us. And this is the, the, the mindset of, of God rewarding those who diligently seek him. Cause when we're, we're attentive, when we're paying attention, when we're listening, and most of all, when we yield and that is that when God prompts us, we respond accordingly and go into the direction that he is prodding us to go. That uh, great success and great reward is on that path. And God is telling us to go down that path for a reason. In fact, uh, a biblical case inside of the Bible in the book of Acts there where Paul was uh, um, contemplating going down to Jerusalem and the spirit of God knew what was going to take place down in Jerusalem. And he spoke through a, a person into Paul's life and told him not to go because the spirit of God was prompting Paul to go in a different direction. And so this is the way that it works. This is the way that uh, God operates. And if we are listening, uh, diligently seeking him, uh, we will heed those moments. Matthew 6, 8 says this, your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. You see, we serve a father who is all knowing. Uh, nothing uh, comes by surprise. Uh, he's not shocked of what's going on in the world today with all the chaos, with all the ma uh, manipulation, all the hype, all the media propaganda and all of the stuff that is going on today. Uh, he's not uh, shocked or surprised by any of this. And he knows what we have need of before um, before we even ask. And so that would uh, behoove us to really uh, calm ourselves down and begin to understand that, that God knows what we have need of. Uh, the next one is this, is that your father uh, gives good gifts to those that ask him. He's the giver of good gifts. Now, there has been created a religiosity mindset and that is that God is somehow the giver of negative gifts and that he will uh, punish you and severely 
to teach you a lesson, and that is he will um, cause your kid to die. Uh, he will inflict upon you a major sickness and all these different things to teach you a lesson. And I wish to combat that here uh, today because if we want to have a positive recovery, we have to understand that God is for us, right? And that God is not against us. And what that means is that he's not going to take my child to teach me a lesson, right? He can teach me a lesson through, um, last time I checked, he, he taught lessons through the word. <laughs> last time I, I, I checked, he taught lessons through listening to the, the promptings of the spirit. And so understanding that God is the giver of good gifts, uh, leads us away from all that religiosity mindset that's going to lead us down into a very destructive path that, uh, that's not going to bring us the joy and the power that we really want to have. So your father gives good gifts to them that ask him. So the Bible says this, that, um, you know, all these things, the Gentiles seek is talking about food, clothing, uh, jobs, you know, all of these things that the world is, is striving to hold on to and that they want. Uh, the Bible says that God knows that you have need of those things, but to seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so it's, it, it's the mindset of this, that I am going to pursue God. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to have a relationship with him. And I'm going to let these other things fall in place. That's what it means by everything added unto you. But what we do instead, and what I have done instead, is that I'm going to focus on the need. I'm going to focus on the lack. I'm going to focus on the areas uh, of what I want. And I'm going to let that desire consume me. And that I'm going to shift my focus. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to spend all of my time and all of my energy on that one area of my life that I want to grow and that I want to thrive. And all of a sudden, what happens is that my focus shifts away from God to the things. Now, all of a sudden, I find myself not pursuing God anymore. I find myself pursuing things. And this can happen so uh, nonchalantly and so like easily that the shift of focus can, can begin to change. And here's the deception in the whole thing is that those desires could be godly desires, right? It could be uh, for a ministry. It could be for effectiveness. It could be for to reaching people. It could be all these things. But when our mindset shifts to focus on that, we shift our focus off God. So the reality of what needs to take place is understand that our father knows that we have need of these things and that we seek him first and that our heart is set on pursuing him and allowing these other things to fall in place. And that brings us to a state of peace because we're not chomping at the bit to try to get all of these things over here, everything to fall in line how we want it, everything to go perfectly. My focus is on pursuing God and pursuing his ways. And his responsibility is for those things to begin to fall in place. So what begins to happen when we take this uh, mindset and this relationship with God and we take it into each area of our life and uh, amazing, powerful things begin to happen. 
Uh, next thing to know about your father is that he has a business. Uh, Jesus said uh, when he was caught at the temple, uh, his parents wonder where he was. And um, they went on, a, I believe, two-day journey. And they were far away and they came back and they found him at the temple. And he said, how is it that you look for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And so God has a business. And that means that he has something that uh, occupies his time and his energy. He has a mission that is uh, taking place inside of the world today. <laughs> and... Uh, he has something that he wants to accomplish. And so being about my father's business means that I am going to be occupied. <coughs> I'm going to be occupied with what he is occupied with. And that I am going to allow my time to be consumed with what he is consumed with. And this is the mindset shift that what is important to my father is important to me. And that is just a powerful reality. So your, our father has a business. Uh, next is uh, Luke 12, 32. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, I go back to what I previously said. It's not your father's good pleasure to uh, murder your child. It's not the father's good pleasure to take away your income. It's not the father's good pleasure to do all of these other things. But the reality is, is that it's the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so it's important to know what our father wants. He wants to give us the kingdom. And what is the kingdom? <coughs> Righteousness. Peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation, right? The kingdom of God is within you. And it's the Father's good pleasure to give us that kingdom. And the last two, I only got uh, one minute left. I want to cover very quickly. Your Father will teach you. And that is John 8, 28. Your Father will teach you. Your Father will guide you. And we just have to be willing to allow that process to take place inside of our lives. And lastly, in Ephesians 2.18, your father gives you access. I don't know if you've ever had a father who um, was not accessible, right? Emotionally accessible, physically accessible, um, just not there, not present. And we're going to talk about that more in the next episode. But we have a father who is highly accessible, and that is that we can come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help inside of our time of need. So our Father is there to give us access. You know, there's this deep fear inside of believers that uh, are struggling inside of addiction, that God somehow doesn't love us anymore, and that we have somehow come to the place where access has been denied. And that we think that we no longer have access to God, and that he is going to um, forsake us, that he no longer loves us because of our behavior. But the reality is in Luke 6, uh, 36, the Bible says that your father in heaven is merciful. See, he became a man just like us and is all points tempted just as we were, yet without sin. 
And he knows how to sympathize with our infirmities because he has faced those kind of infirmities himself. So I want you to look at your life and say, am I accepting God as my father? Have I accepted him as these different uh, mindsets, as a guru, as Santa Claus, as a genie, as a rock star, as a personal lover, and all these things, and ask yourself, am I willing to lay down those so I can begin to walk inside of the reality that God is my father? Powerful reality. I'll see you. Peace. 